and welcome to another episode of The Shift Change, our podcast about all things nursing. We are your hosts, Michelle and Claire. Nursing is a profession thought to be grounded on an ethic of care, compassion, and service. But nurses are not immune to their own struggles and crises. What happens when nurses themselves struggle with health issues? Especially when those issues fall within the already stigmatized realms of mental health and substance use. Unfortunately, nursing does not have a great track record when it comes to supporting nurse peers, and in many cases, what happens is quite the opposite. Have you ever heard the saying, nurses eat their young? It's brutal, harsh, and often true. The way it plays out is the all-too-familiar experience that many of us have had with a lack of support and sometimes bullying by nursing peers, our colleagues. In today's episode, we have the great pleasure of speaking with our guest, Katrina Stevenson, who has spearheaded the creation of a Canadian nurse-focused peer support model. In recent years, peer support has become an ingrained part of many mental health and substance use programs. Peer support workers have become paid members of the healthcare team. This inclusion and formalization of the peer support role did not happen overnight. It took decades of hard work and dedication to legitimize its importance. And even now, as Katrina will describe, resistance persists when it comes to applying a peer support model for nurses themselves. The roots of peer support as we know it today date back to 18th century France when hospitals began employing former patients as staff. For more on this entire branch of the history of psychiatric hospitals and treatment, we highly recommend reading Anne Harrington's book, Mind Fixers, Psychiatry's Troubled Search for the Biology of Mental Illness for an American Perspective, and Mental Health in Canadian Society, Historical Perspectives for a Canadian One. But we digress. Back to peer support. So it started in the 1700s, but took on its more contemporary form starting in the 1970s. Patients' rights and advocacy movements began to push back against largely inhumane treatment practices and facilities, which still existed at the time. Grassroots networks of peers emerged, people saying to each other, I've been through what you're going through. At its core, human connection and relationship. Katrina will walk us along her path into and through nursing. Hello, thank you so much for joining us on this month's episode of The Shift Change with myself, Michelle Danda, and my co-host, Claire. Our special guest this month is Katrina Stevenson. Before we dive into the topic, can you give us a little bit of an introduction and then tell us a bit about your nursing career and also a little bit about your life outside of nursing? Thanks, Claire and Michelle, for having me on. It's exciting. I'll, I'll start from like a personal side of things. I'm a mom of two boys who are 10 and six, Odin and Jack, and a lovely husband, Mike. And uh, we live here in Edmonton, Alberta. We've lived here since 2013 with our family. And previous to that, and kind of how we connected, Michelle is, we used to live in Vancouver. My husband's a firefighter. I'm a nurse here. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a good place to live. We both grew up in Manitoba, so we have roots there and family in Ontario. So we're kind of spread out all over the place and on a personal level, I guess when it comes to my nursing career, I did a lot of things before I became a nurse. I was an esthetician. I did, I was a makeup artist, always, you know, looking at caring for people in some sense, 
uh, landscape architect. Well, I wasn't the architect. I wanted. I thought I'd be that before I became a nurse because I loved gardening. In my late twenties, I decided after everyone was telling me I'd be a great nurse <laughs> for many years, I decided, okay, I'll, I'll try this out. And so I, I did my, um, it was called registered practical nursing in Ontario. And at that point, my, my now partner, he had moved, Mike had moved to Vancouver and was going to university out there. So when I was done my, what we call on this side of the the, of Canada LPN or licensed practical nurse I moved to uh, I moved to Vancouver and, and moved in with him right away I found out that you know LPNs weren't working full scope so I ended up doing my BSN at Langara College so best thing I've ever done I it was a good decision and right away I found myself in you know when I was doing my my degree, I, because I was an LPN, they accepted me on the HIV unit to do my precept. I think it was term five. I was there. And then at the end of my, for my priest, I had put a little birdie in their ear that I would like to come back and do my preceptorship there in term 10. I did do my, my end of my preceptorship there and started working there casually at that time it, the Olympics were on. So there wasn't a lot of hiring you know, into positions seemed to be like a hiring freeze for nurses, but, you know, I had enough hours, but right away I was, you know, I wanted to get into a permanent position and there happened to be an in when I talked to the operation leader at the Providence Crosstown Clinic, the supervisor down there was doing both the supervising role and, and then the front, you know, frontline nursing position. It was just too much. So I went down there, advocated for there to be uh, clinic nurse educating role and, you know, stepped into that role. At that time at Providence Crosstown Clinic, there was no clinical trial going on. We were supporting, it was kind of like at the primary care model, but supporting folks that were either on methadone and then suboxone was coming along. So for their you know, opiate dependencies and, and then all, like polysubstance use and mental health and, you know, maybe engaging them in their HIV care or uh, hepatitis C care, but I loved it. I loved the, this, I just loved that kind of work. So harm reduction work has, I've always gravitated towards people that um, need it, harm, um, you know, harm reduction or mental, had mental health and severe substance use disorders. You know, I also worked on the assertive community treatment teams in the downtown east side. So going into the SROs. And then when I moved here into Edmonton, I had a friend, a nursing friend that was on an ACT team here, and I got a casual position. So got my foot in the door. And yeah, and then from there, I went into an inner city supports team here, which was, you know, the sort of community treatment model as well you know, working outreach, mental health on the street with folks that were homeless and, and needed, um, you know, harm reduction care. And if I back up a little bit, Crosstown Clinic, I was part of the Salome trial. So a study to assess long-term opiate maintenance effectiveness. So the safe supply in the very beginning. So in the first phase, they were doing the injectable um, part of things for folks. And then um, my husband decided he'd become a firefighter after our first son was born. Um, he left UBC from history to, you know, come come to to Edmonton Fire Department. So, 
you know, uh, at the second phase of the trial, when it was going into the oral phase, I left and then came here. When I came to Edmonton, there was no harm reduction policy. So that was a little nerve wracking. And it was like stepping back in time. Uh, oh, I so, bet. Yeah. I bet it was. Yeah. yeah. What a change. So, yeah. So that can lead to, yeah, the other things that we want to talk about. Thank you so much for that introduction, Katrina. That's amazing. I love that you kind of had this whole life before nursing and people were nudging you towards nursing. And then finally you're like, okay, let's do this. And then Mm -hmm. it sounds like you've had such a rich um, and diverse career as a nurse. And so that's just so amazing to kind of look back over time and track that, um, track that progression with you. And I also have to say, I love, I'm obsessed with the Crosstown Clinic. And so it's so cool that you worked there. Uh, I hadn't realized that. Um, So lovely to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for joining us. So moving us towards the conversation for today, can you tell us a little bit about um, Nurse to Nurse and kind of how it came to be or what, how your path led you there? Oh, for sure. For sure. So like I had said, uh, you know, I came, I came to Edmonton as a nurse that had a a lot of experience in harm reduction and safe supply. And when I when I moved here, there was no harm reduction policy. I found out, so that was a little nerve wracking for me. Um, I did make my way up to the the higher level bosses and ask them how would that affect me in my nursing care and would you support me in you know finding safe supplies, even though you know. There was no IOT or injectable opiate and agonist therapy here at that time. And so, you know, I, I, I had to do a lot of educating. So that, that led to um, me discovering, you know, seeing and that there was a lot of suffering in the community here. So being an outreach nurse, we saw I would go into the shelters and, and uh, part of my job was um, doing intakes for folks that were homeless, uh, had uh, you know a mental health disorder, and you know were using substances a lot of the time, so concurrent disorders, and so I would assess to see if they were appropriate to come to our team, and while well, anyone that was suffering in that sense, uh, yeah, they were appropriate for our team. So you know I got to see um, how the system worked, and the system was failing, and. That was tough, and we had a huge workload. Uh, you know, as we do in nursing, uh, it was no different on this team, and uh, that started to wear on me over over the time. Folks that were not getting access to naloxone that had died by overdose, I'd find out um, they were my, and that because I was a case manager, they were my clients, and you know that that hurt and. Um, other things that were happening were, you know, people that would die by suicide, my clients that would die by suicide. And what I, what I experienced in working in different, different health authorities over the years was that there was some supports, uh, workplace wellness, um, where we would have time to debrief and go through that stress response. Um, other teams, we didn't, I didn't have that. And it was just a high push, push, push to get more people through and, and carry on, you know, and, and, you know, that ended up, to, I, ta- I would take that home um, and have no time because I'd be going home to my young children, my husband. And so working full time, coming back 
you know, back home. And eventually by 2017, I had a traumatic stress injury, or it can be called operational stress or occupational stress injury of PTSD. And so post-traumatic stress disorder with anxiety and like associated traits and panic attacks. At that point, um, because I worked mental health in psychiatry and acute intensive services, I knew what was going on. I saw it coming before that fact, uh, before that happened, I was advocating for peer support and peer support. Uh, you know, I've worked in with folks from Insight to Vancouver's, you know, downtown um, Eastside's injection service to peers here through the Schizophrenia Society. And one of the most beautiful things I've seen is the engagement piece. So that instant trust, because you've been through it and I can see it in you and I can almost feel it in you, right? And, uh, you know, if I had an individual that had, you know, psychosis and maybe it was uh, so bothersome that they needed to be on medication and I wasn't getting anywhere as a nurse that was, you know, didn't get it, then, you know, yeah, bring my peer support worker colleague out and that would really be supportive. And the other part of around the peer support and why nurse to nurse started, you know, I was, it was brewing in my mind is my husband is a firefighter. And I think it was about, don't quote me exactly, uh, 2015, 2016, but sadly they had members that had died by suicide and they shortly after they decided to put in a mental health wellness program and it was peer support. So that engagement piece, really, like, how do we engage each other as human beings? You know, if there's these issues that are happening, and then, you know, while well, peer support was one of those models, it didn't matter, like, what, I guess, population you came from, it was all the same human interaction piece, that that engagement piece, that trust piece, that like piece that made you feel safe um, when you were talking to someone and you wouldn't feel judged, right? So, yeah, I, because I was advocating for it while I was on the job before my injury in 2017, um, it, you know, it, it didn't happen. Um, you know, I was told that it wasn't a model that was evidence-based. However, that was not the truth. I just kept pushing, you know, it was just my, my way. I think part of it was my way of finding wellness in what was happening to me as well. And after the injury, I just kept, I, I would move. I went on a leave of absence and then I dealt with some harassment on in a, another two jobs that I tried to move to. And, um, you know, so that added to my injury as well. So the bullying, the harassment, and it's, you know, we deal with that in nursing as well, sadly. And I, um, it was the last injury that I ended up with depression, so severe depression. And I, I looked up a psychiatrist that I, I knew. I said, I've had an occupational stress injury. Um, you know, at that point, we weren't working together. And I said, would you feel comfortable caring for me? And I didn't know that he was running a transcranial magnetic stimulation clinic. And I went in there and, um, you know, the the therapy itself in 30 treatments, I was out of depression. However, I, I started to see that the symptoms were coming back. And uh, what's important about this is 
this is what I share with the nurses now. And, you know, that this is a treatment they could use. But when I had that treatment, I noticed that because my trauma, the tra trauma that I experienced and, you know, still trapped within me, um, wasn't, hadn't been looked at. I, the symptoms of depression and anxiety were seeping back in. So I ended up getting EMDR. I was on disability at that point. I had to take time off. There was no choice. I had no choice. I couldn't function uh, anymore as a nurse or almost a mother. Could hardly function in life at that point. But, you know, step by step, I, I found my, my way back out. I'm, I'm a luck, one of the lucky ones. Um, when I come, when I think about folks that I've nurses I've met and the stories they tell me because of my knowledge around mental health and the systems and how to navigate, because I used to have to navigate it for my, for my patients, you know, I think that helped me get out of where I was quicker. So yeah, nurse to nurse came to be because I, in 2020, I wrote an article advocating for change. And it was really a call to action. And I had, you know, I'm not quiet about this stuff. I, I'm pretty open to a detriment at times because I have been discriminated against and stigmatized against um, when I've spoken freely of my experience. But I had a lovely union president that said, you know, there is a someone in, in their department that does the magazine. And would you like to tell your story? I'm like, would I? <laughs> yes. And, and so I, the call to action in my article went out in 2020 and I had nurses across Alberta and I, I shared it on Facebook as well. And I had, um, you know, colleagues in BC connecting and saying, yeah, this is happening to me. Wow. Your symptoms were so much like mine. Like, oh, th you know, thank you so much. Uh, I don't feel so, you know, quote unquote crazy anymore like normalizing um, what was happening to them. And part of my call was that there would be a model of peer support. So some of those nurses that, that reach out to me, I propose that we build a nonprofit and a grassroots initiative because we weren't getting anywhere in regards to our employers. So that's what we ended up doing. I find that so striking that because I think this happens to a lot of us that we feel like we're working and we're experiencing the stress and similar things happen to me. There's so many pressures from, from the job and sometimes we feel so alone and we know that something's happening. We're no, we know we're not performing at our best and we know we're being mm -hmm. affected by the job, but I think there's so much pressure to just keep going and I think it's like a yep. like a hidden secret that we feel especially working in mental health and substance use like if we just don't feel comfortable talking about it or if we look at it as a sign of weakness or if we feel like there will just be no support or that somehow our practice will be under scrutiny For sure. so I find it sad and unfortunate mm -hmm. that there isn't there wasn't that incentive on the part of the employer to engage in a peer support process. Because I think the unit that Claire and I used to work at, uh, which is where we first met, they did try to incorporate a peer support program with the staff because it was a high intensity area. We were working in adolescent mm -hmm. mental health and substance use. And same thing, like there just wasn't any buy-in on the side of the employer, which 
is unfortunate, but I think it's so cool that you brought nurses together and started a not-for-profit. Could you tell us a little bit more about the learning that took place and how you started that organization? Like some of the hurdles, some of the barriers that you found, and also some of the successes. Well, we're still going through a lot of that. It was developed in 2020. And so still lots of learning happening. You know, a lot of the the positives that have happened is, you know, meeting is meeting our peers and providing hope that they can heal from these injuries that they've had. And, you know, that they don't feel alone anymore. And that fear that you were talking about, Michelle, that fear-based kind of culture that we work in as nurses, that if we do share, we might be, well, it's real. Like we may be discriminated against. We may be stigmatized. We may, um, you know, we may be reported to our college. And it does happen, especially with nurses that have substance use disorders, you know? So really think meeting nurses wherever they're at. And this comes from my harm reduction background, right? Like it just transfers so well into any, any person you meet is really like uh, meeting them with that trauma informed lens and also understanding the culture and, you know, that cultural safety kind of piece and coming from an anti kind of oppressive approach as well, because we work in this system that is very oppressive and doesn't hear us when we're pleading for help and support, right? And again, it's providing, I think, you know, peer support in what we've, um, what I've experienced and what we've experienced as a a grassroots initiative really is providing psychological safety and mending our hearts and the wounds that we've had, um, be it from the harassment that we experience, you know, the, the, tra- the cumulative effects of the work and just really coming to um, a place of understanding of like, okay, yeah, this, this model does work. And, and really that, you know, I'll, I'll say this, and, and this is what I see overall in what's happening with us uh, around COVID is I believe that in nursing, we have a collective trauma that we've all experienced previous to to COVID and then COVID hit. So having a place that nurses can meet and we can talk about what's happening, happening, where we can process the stress and know that it's normal what's happening to us when we have this abnormal amount of stress and, and trauma that we see and experience. And then we have these symptoms that, you know, like, what is this that's happening to me? And that we can give away the shame and the guilt that we feel when we can't perform the way that we had always performed but it's just really that emotional piece and and building really a a community of safety that we uh, have a space that it's confidential you know if we share what's going on with us that we're we're not going to be reported to the the college and we're nurses right we're caring for each other those skills that's in innate in us and that doesn't go away and when we can come together be say be we're off work but we're still caring for each other we can see that we can still be who we are because you know nursing is a calling and it's ingrained in a lot of us and it it builds our confidence again in our abilities 
to walk forward, no matter what path we take, either we stay in nursing, either we go out of nursing, we take time to heal. And that's one of the biggest pieces is taking time for ourselves, right? Nurse to nurse is, if anything, it's, it's, it's growing and it's really the barriers that are happening are really the buy-in piece from the union at large, be it CFNU um, and all the provincial unions, you know, CNA, you know, there's a a nurse uh, wellness network that we're kind of part of, and we are part of, and it's just really building awareness of how this supports us, why this is an effective model. It's not the be all end all, but it is I think one of the most essential pieces around engagement. And when you live and work in a culture of fear as a nurse, and you think that you have to suck it up buttercup or get out of nursing because you then you might not say anything. But if you have nurses that are around you that have said, hey, this happened to me, you might just put down those barriers and and take a second to to be like, hey, like, I'm hearing what's happening to her or him. And, oh, I can see that they had a hard time, but they walked out the other side. So the advocacy piece is really huge around nurse to nurse and education and having people hear us. Even though we've had these injuries, we're we're still valuable uh, contributing parts of, you know, nursing. And uh, so, you know, it's really getting past that stigma and advocating for these workplace wellness initiatives that can support us and, um, you know, having the appropriate, one of the hugest things and one of the things that we do here too is help navigate nurses through the disability processes. They're so overwhelming. Um, You might not fill out the workers comp, you might not fill the form out right for a psychological injury. So you might not get the, 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 you might not get in disability insurance to be off, you might be denied, you know, Um, when you go into other disability companies, uh, you know, here it's Canada Life, I think it's fairly standard across Canada, I'm still learning that piece. But I I think this is across the board. And I, you know, I'd like to, it would be really neat to see who is trauma informed in these organizations. But from my experience, and many other nurses that I meet, Um, we're not getting trauma specific care. We're not getting the care that we need in order to get well enough to go back to the work. We're being pressured back to work too soon. Um, Many of my peers have been re-injured repeatedly. And this is our brain we're talking about. Like if we had a, a knee injury and we're limping around, do you think they'd send us back to work so soon? Well, this is the invisible injury. And it's, it's, it's just not understanding. So the hugest barriers is not understanding like what mental health is, what are the injuries that are happening to nurses? The legislation here in Alberta is, you know, we're not under presumptive legislation. Supposedly nurses don't get trauma injuries. So, you know, that's huge. Um, so, you know, you might not get that insurance um, to be off work to, to actually get the the care that and therapy you need to to be well and it's such a a big beast sometimes it can feel overwhelming but it's like bit by bit and educating and advocating and the other piece is funding that's one of the hugest barriers um, is is like but you know we have these side projects and 
It, we do them because we love them. Sometimes the sustainability is not there because we we're, it's a off the side of your desk kind of thing, right? So you have your normal nursing job that you go to, whatever it is, nine to five, casual, part-time. And then you have your, your love project. For sure, Nurse to Nurse is my love project. And, and for, for us to really, you know, to sustain a program like this and, you know, that we, we, we need funding, you know, we're a volunteer-based organization. Um, we accept donations. Grant fundwriting is not my specialty. And, you know, even though we're trying to do that. So that's a big learning curve we're going through. So I think with advocacy, education, and as we approach, as you know, we start approaching people um, with our strategic plan and people, I mean, large organizations, health organizations, unions, you know, I just met a last week, I met a lovely, it's called Nurse to Nurse, um, but they also have, it's through, I think it's Rutgers University and the nursing nurse to nurse uh, kind of piece is, is just new there. And they reached out to us to ask us about our peer circles that we run. So they're going to come in the next couple of weeks and, and join us. And we're going to do some like here, we're going to share our expertise. But, you know, one of the things I think is huge in all of this is collaboration because there are, it's there's a lot of siloing. There are peer support programs happening like in Canada, like there's one at Toronto Sick Kids. You know, I hear about the one that you had at the unit you worked at in children's. I uh, hear that there's one in some down in Calgary. Uh, but what the one of the largest barriers I'm hearing from like nurses that might be managers and things like that is that now that COVID's happened, we're so tired. And the, the, the units are, are understaffed, where you have nurses leaving, and there's not a lot of energy left to initiate programs like this. And this is where I think nurse to nurse could be like valuable is let's find the funding, let's start these projects. You know, we were just started a project in an inner city agency where it's a peer to peer wellness program. So nurse to nurse is coming in. We we're doing a 12 week program where we're just talking about wellness and bringing in um, tools like mindfulness and, um, you know, like how do we self-regulate talking about the window of tolerance, uh, you know, really just having a space to process what's happening to them and, and all the stress and trauma they're seeing. So, yeah, it's just taking time um, to, to really yeah, support others and wherever they're at. I think something that also strikes me as well, and I kind of like how this is actually outside of the union, because I think mm -hmm. sometimes we forget about the stress and the moral distress that people in leadership positions feel, like nurses who yeah. work in clinical leadership, clinical educator, specialist, yeah. manager roles, and mm -hmm. that they're not... Um, I think that sometimes they get presented as the enemy and we forget that there's so much stress and yes. so much psychological pressure to being in those roles as well. And I think that a lot of time when you're in those positions, you do feel alone and yeah. feel like, you know, the colleagues who have, who aren't nurses and maybe don't even have any clinical background, like they really don't understand. They really don't 
like aren't able to empathize. Yeah. So I like how it's kind of a broad organization that's intended for all nurses. Well, and even that other program is it's not all nurses, you know, we have social workers in there and, and, you know, we had to kind of start small when we started, right. We're an all nurses. So we know, we know our, our roles and, and our experiences, but like when I said, it's a collective trauma, it's everyone, right. Michelle, like you're just saying, and I have friends that are in management and they do feel alone. And I've often thought, okay, I should have a, a, a peer circle that's just for managers and people that are, it's like, how do we, but again, just a small group of nurses that are doing this. And yeah, until we get some more funding, it's just a little bit of a barrier. That's our barrier, right? Because I want this to be sustainable. I don't want us to again, burn out because we're doing too much. Right. Again. And it's been an amazing journey so far. I've, I've actually just seen such healing in, in my peers and, and myself really it's, my my ability to be confident in all the skills and all the, the the things that I've done in my nursing and then bring it to this is um is just each day is building like it's just amazing so pretty exciting for me I just get so pumped <laughs> it energizes me it's so powerful to hear you talk about this whole journey and it's both I think you know I love to hear you talk about these basic or you know these like foundational principles of nursing and bringing them to the care of nurses and then it's also baffling to me that somehow this is a novel idea you know or a controversial idea the idea of bringing harm reduction and trauma-informed care and peer support models to nurses my hope would be that everyone who heard that idea would be like yes how can I help you? Like, and it yeah. sounds like that has understandably not been the experience. And that's something that Michelle and I talk a lot about is the culture in nursing and the bullying that happens and the fear that happens. And I don't think that that gets talked about enough. And so I just really am so excited to hear about the work that you're doing. And I really just want to name the courage that it takes for you to push against that current, because there's so much pressure in nursing to just take on more and do more and never blink and never show the human side of yourself. And so, yeah, it's just, I think it's so powerful for you to take these foundational building blocks of care and what it means to be human and bring some structure to those and bring those to our profession at a time when nurses are leaving the profession. There is a shortage of nurses. And I don't think that the solution is just to pump out more new grads and send them into a toxic system. No, the new grads I'm meeting are, are ending up with PTSD and it's really sad. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note of thinking about new grads or nurses who are newer in their career, do you have a message you would like to end off on or kind of a piece of wisdom you want to share or something, a hope for the future? Kind of what, um, what would your message be to newer nurses and all nurses really? Because this is a new topic for a lot of nurses. It's, um, I think some people hate hearing this too, but it's that oxygen mask, put on your own oxygen mask first. And it's easier said than done. Like nurses have huge hearts. Some of us feel, you know, like there's a lot of, sometimes there's a lot of guilt around doing that, you know, and we, you might feel selfish that you're, you know, not taking that overtime shift because you, you're then worried about your, 
your colleagues that are left short. And I just feel that that's where we get in trouble, right? It's a system that's broken and we're trying to fix it as these frontline nurses and we're, we're, we're fighting that battle. And then we're fighting, I don't want to leave my patients or my, my colleagues short. Right. And, but, you know, we really do need to just take time to look after ourselves and that it's okay to ask for help. And there's a lot of, it's just knowing who to go to and who to trust and that it's okay to, to, to say that I, I need to take some time off and tell those around us that what we need. That I think is just so important. And, you know, going through my own healing journey, I've every day, it's a choice that I, I will do my meditation in the morning. And yeah, I'm, if I miss it, like I did last week, three days in a row, and then I, it's like not doing your exercise, but it was my brain exercise. Right. So I felt it like, I was like, okay, why am I a little bit more snippy at my kids? Okay. Katrina, take some time for yourself, (laughs) you know? So it's just, you know, getting to know ourselves, taking that time, finding things that inspire you that you love and rebuilding our connection. Connection is so huge. Our our, you know, COVID has kicked us in the ass, you know, in regards to our human connection that is, has been kind of taken from us in that sense. And it's like, find little ways to connect, be it Zoom, be it, you know, whatever it might be, like, just, you know, come to our groups, come to our peer circles, they're, they're open, you can come and go as you please. And no guilt is ever, put on anyone about it and I wanted to say this and it keeps coming up in my mind Um, I want to recognize my patients that had gone through trauma and I personally have been in a place of privilege I have so many supports around me and one of the one of the biggest things that um, you know I think as nurses we can learn from is is not maybe focusing so much on the, the trauma piece, but like each day, I I remember when I had that injury of PTSD, I was thinking about my patients and they brought me strength because I, it was that vicarious resilience piece. And it was like, Oh, I remember. And how each day they would show up and be there. And it's like, wow. And that just, you know, that human aspect of really just, just know that if this is what's happening to you and you can't sleep, you can't eat, you have these, these mental health symptoms, that there is a place for you. There is, you can heal. You don't need to be alone. I just really want, um, yeah, there to be a place of healing for, and that people know that there is places that they can come. Nurses know there is a place and, and other healthcare providers, like I don't turn down anyone. It's like, how do we be inclusive in, in this and continue to heal from what's happening um, to us on the front lines in, our, in, in the world, really, at this point? I love that. I think it's so powerful to build this sense of community and sense of collaboration. And the idea that we do things like this, you made this organization, we do this podcast because we love nursing and we love nurses and that's why we do it and I think that is inspirational Mm -hmm. and that can bring hope to a lot of people that might be living in a world where they're lost as to what the future of nursing is so I think I yeah thank you for starting your organization and I really want to thank you for taking the time 
out of your life to talk to us today. Yeah, thanks. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. We've said it already, but we'll say it again here. What courage, resilience, and power in community Katrina brings to the nursing profession. It can be an act of courage, especially as a caregiver, to say, I need help too. We hope this month's episode offered the chance to learn about this practical grassroots example of nurse activism and a dedicated group of nurses working to create a community of healing. And we also hope it might be the nudge you may have been seeking to check in with yourself, to check in with your peers. We hope this episode can be a good place to start the conversation. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Shift Change podcast. If you like this episode or want to share any feedback with us, please visit our website at www.theshiftchangepodcast.ca. Our website has blog posts, behind-the-scenes photos, and links to our Instagram and Twitter accounts. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you.